That was so awesome. Can we thank them again? That was so cool. That was so good. Uh, if you're new to Hope Des Moines, and you might be, or even if you're not, that offering song is not in our normal worship uh, repertoire, just so you know. Uh, you might have recognized uh, that. So we have such a talented and incredible uh, worship team. They're volunteers just doing this, this amazing stuff. Let's thank God for them one more time. So good. So good. Uh, if, you, if you recognize that song, uh, it might be because you've seen the film that we're going to be talking about today called The Greatest Showman. How many of you have seen this movie, The Greatest Showman? Everybody, Okay, quite a few of you, all right? The rest of you are just nodding along like good Lutherans, just rocking out in your heart. Uh, that's good. We're really glad that you're here today. My name is John Andenson. I'm the campus pastor here, and we are so glad that you've joined us uh, on this uh, first Sunday in the month of May. If you recognize that song, you, you've probably seen The Greatest Showman. If not, maybe you've heard that song uh, from somewhere else. But uh, we've uh, been in this sermon series called Faith in Film, which is why we're talking about uh, this film uh, today. We've been in this series since uh, Easter. And boy, I've just loved this series. You guys love this series. It's been a lot of fun. You've been around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, you can clap or yell amen or shout. I know we're Lutheran, but you can just clap and, and let the Spirit lead whenever. All right? Amen? amen. All right, gotcha. I want to make sure you're, there you go. I mean, not the entire sermon, but once in a while is fine. Uh, as the Spirit leads, all right? Well, well, we'll go with that. We're really glad you're here. Those of you downstairs, those of you upstairs, we're glad you're here. I want to welcome you in. Uh, we've been in this series. It's been so much fun. And we've been looking at these different films. In fact, it was uh, back in December, and we actually had most of the, the, the sermon schedule for the entire year kind of finished out. We gather around as pastors of all the campuses of Hope, and then we had this one slot open on the first weekend of May. And we were like, okay, we need one more film. And it happened to be that that was when The Greatest Showman had just come out. And like my Facebook and, and Instagram feeds and Twitter just blowing up with this, have you seen The Greatest Showman? This is the greatest movie ever. This is so amazing. Uh, the, the music and the choreography and everything is amazing. And this one lady's like, I went to the theater and saw it four times. It was so good. Some of you maybe don't appreciate the, the film, but man, I'm like, we have to do this. And so I brought it to, we got to do The Greatest Showman. I think it would work well. It's, it's confirmation weekend at all of our campuses as well. Um, God's just doing amazing things. And, and I'm like, we have to do this. And some people may say, you know, I, for different reasons, it, the popularity. I, I listen to these lyrics, just the power and, and the, the personability of these lyrics that you just heard the band play in this song called This Is Me. This is in the first verse. I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. Some of you have been told that in your life before. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust because I know that there's a place for us. Here's the reason I bring that up, and the song goes on from there, is the need to be known the need to be loved, the need to belong, never goes out of style. And that's why it resonates. But this film also speaks to the harsh reality that we live in a world where that's not always the case. I'm guessing if we went around the room today, not all of you would say that I feel that way. And I think of the many reasons that this film has just been in, insanely popular. Yes, there's the amazing dancing and the choreography and the music. I mean, it's got Hugh Jackman playing the lead. I mean, he's the Wolverine for pity's sakes, right? And now he's singing and dancing. Like, I got to see this, right? Here's my guess. Here's my guess is why this has captured the attention of so many people, because every single one of us was created for a place to belong 
and a purpose to live for. Let me say that again. Every single one of us was created to have a place to belong and a purpose to live for, which turns out is really the, the, the heartbeat and the storyline of the entire movie. If you haven't seen it, it centers around Hugh Jackman's character of P.T. Barnum. And if you hear that Barnum, like, where have I heard that before? Barnum and Bailey. It's loosely based on that. And for all of you haters for The Greatest Showman, it's loosely based. We get that, okay? Uh, it's loosely based on reality, but the story of Barnum and Bailey and, and the circus. And yet the film doesn't start there. It goes back to P.T. Barnum's childhood as a little boy. And the film, it starts there. He's the son of a, a, a poor tailor that goes out and serves those that are rich. And, and, and so he's in this poor family. And despite being an outcast and an outsider, he believes that the world could be different. And young P.T. Barnum, who later becomes this great showman, starts out as a young boy believing the world can be different. And he has big dreams for himself. And so you're going to see in one of these opening clips that I'm going to show you here for the film is that he is this, you know, ragtag misfit that eventually basically becomes an orphan because his father dies. And you'll see that in a short clip in this opening montage. And he's bringing along this young girl who's the, the son of an aristocrat, a very wealthy man in town that has this big mansion. And yet here he's this poor little boy that wants to invite this girl that actually later becomes his wife, this little girl he's running around with, later becomes his wife, he wants to show her and invite her into these, this bigger vision and this dream that he has for the world that maybe even he, somebody like him, could find a place to belong. So let's take a look at this opening clip in the song, A Million Dreams. Regardless of what life has thrown his way, extreme poverty, the, the death of his alcoholic father, the, the, his, his girl, his future wife, we're literally getting shift up to boarding school, young P.T. Barnum still has a dream. He has a vision for the world where even he can belong. And at the end of that clip, you see after he's been shoved aside by everybody else, by the upper classes of society, it's actually this outcast, this lady that has physical deformities that comes up, and actually that's where he experiences kindness and compassion. Don't miss that little clip. And I want you to hear me say this this morning, that the, the, the plot of this film all hinges on that moment right there, where somebody that was an outcast and a misfit invites him into a bigger story. That lady at the end with her deformities had been kicked to the curb by everybody else. Maybe some of you feel that way this morning, and you're here, and you're looking for a place to belong as well. It was actually... Her kindness and compassion, yet the fact that she was an outcast that P.T. identifies with and say, yeah, that's me too, and yet she's inviting me into something, and that's, that's actually his wound, his pain, that he doesn't fit in, but his wound and his pain actually become the fuel for his purpose in life. Let me say that again. Some of you are trying to avoid pain and difficulty in your life. It's actually the pain and the difficulty and the wound that he has as a young boy that I don't belong that actually becomes the catalyst for him finding his mission in life. Might that be the same for you? There may be the reason that God has you passionate or doing the thing that you do of what you are passionate about is because of a wound or a pain from earlier in your life. That's the fuel for this movie, and so he wants to give people a place to belong as well. The harsh reality is that we live in a world, if we're honest, that loves to draw up lines 
and create boxes and put up fences and then say, well, you're in and you're out. And there's people like me and then there's those people. You know have in your head, you all have those people? The people that are really, really hard to love? One of my favorite authors, Bob Goff, uh, has a new book out and he says this. If you want to be like Jesus, go find those people in your life that are the hardest to love and go bless them and you'll be a little closer to looking like Jesus. Including the people on the other side of the political aisle, the people that don't believe what you do, the people that don't live where you do or act like you do, go find some of those people and love them and you'll look a little bit more like Jesus every single day. But that's not the way that our world is. We like to draw up lines and people's worth is often based on where they live or how much they make or what they look like or what job they have. There's people like me and then there's those people. And that also ironically describes the world that Jesus stepped into 2,000 years ago. Sadly, not much has changed. The boxes are different. The categories are different. But in Jesus' day, a lot of the defining beliefs and including a lot of the the prevalent religious beliefs uh, among Jesus' own people were your status in life or your lack thereof was act, they believed that that was actually a sign of God's approval or disapproval for you. If you were poor, if you were sick, if you were suffering, then that was pretty much your lot in life. I mean, there was a religious group, but it was very clear who was in and who was out, whose God's favor was on and whose God's favor was not on. And certainly this religious group didn't include any of the outcasts. Enter Jesus. He's just started doing his ministry, and he's growing in popularity, and we pick up the story. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along in Luke chapter 4. If you got your Bibles or your phone, you can follow along. Jesus is just starting out in his ministry. So that's, that's the world that Jesus is stepping into, boxes, categories, fences, separating people, division. Sounds a lot like our world today, doesn't it? And into that world steps Jesus, and in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, It says, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, as they often did. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. I think we have this up on the screen. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Let's read this uh, together, what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Set the oppressed free. And then it goes on. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. A.K.A. this prophecy that you've been reading for hundreds of years, religious people, You're missing it. I'm standing right in front of you. This is like the biblical mic drop of all mic drops right here. Just like, boom. Like, I'm it, Jesus, and I'm out, right, basically. Because y'all aren't getting it. I'm standing right in front of you. I am what you're looking for. So two things I want you to see here. Number one, Jesus is claiming to be God. He is the fulfillment of the messianic prophecy from Isaiah 61. But number two, for our purposes today, Jesus is making it clear what he's about. If you missed it, if you're wondering what we're about at Hope, what the church is about, what Jesus' mission is about, Jesus says, if you're poor, if you've got baggage, if you've got burdens today, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're lost, if you've made mistakes that you're ashamed about, if you're an outsider, if this world has labeled you a misfit or a failure or a freak, 
Jesus says, good news. You're the entire focus of why I came to this earth. You're the entire focus. Jesus says, just like P.T. Barnum that you're going to see in the film, Jesus says, I have a dream for the world as well. I have a vision for reality, a place where regardless of who you are or what you've done, you have value and you have purpose and you belong. And it's this reality that you can step into called the kingdom, called the kingdom of God. It's, in fact, it's actually those overly confident religious types <laughs> that think that they're already in the inner circle with God because of their own goodness. They're actually out. Jesus flips the cultural reality on its head and says, if you think you're in, you're actually out. And if you're on the outside looking in because you don't think you're good enough and you're desperate for God's grace, that's actually who's in. Jesus says, I didn't come for the people that are a part of the holy huddle that think they're better than everybody else. I came for the people that are on the outside looking in. The people that are far away from God in need of grace. That's why I came. Don't mistake Jesus' mission. And in a very similar way, that's exactly what P.T. Barnum makes his life's mission. And largely because of the childhood labels that have been placed on him. And some of you have had labels placed on you at different points in your life based on decisions you've made or mistakes you've made or your lot in life, things that have happened to you and you've been kind of put in a category, failure, misfit, poor, a mistake, whatever it is. P.T. Barnum has that same label placed on him, but he doesn't let it get in the way of him chasing his childhood dream of essentially creating a, a circus, a place where those who have been cast aside by society can find a place to belong and a purpose to live for. So watching this next clip later on in the movie, he grows up and he becomes Hugh Jackman. It's amazing. Uh, but he grows up, he grows up and he starts to gather all of these weird people, these oddballs, these misfits, and forms the greatest show on earth. Let's take a look. Okay, how do you stay sad after watching something like that, right? I hope you leave here happier this morning or just want to get up and dance a little bit. Come alive! Come alive, Barnum calls out to this ragtag bunch of misfits. Join the circus. You don't belong anywhere else. But on my team, on my crew, you have a place to belong and you have a purpose. Not, let me say this, not despite your uniqueness, but because of your uniqueness. Not despite the mistakes you've made and your past, but because of them, precisely because of it. And the good news, that's exactly what you're being offered by Jesus today, the, the, the first true ringmaster himself. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, like, okay, I hear that word circus. I'm like, that kind of offends me a little bit. You know, like, that, that's for all, like, the weird and imperfect and slightly off-center people that have a few issues, you know? Let me just say that again. Uh, maybe you think that's for the weird imperfect, slightly off-centered people that happen to worship in a car dealership. I think that describes Lutheran Church of Hope, don't you think? No, I mean, no offense. Turn to your neighbor and say, welcome to the circus. Just tell them that right now, right? <laughs> welcome to the circus, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about us. Tell them that right now. I think he's talking about us. That's right. All of us, right? And that's really good news. That's really good news. The circus hasn't come to town today. It meets every single week. It's Saturday at 5, 9, 15, and 11, right here. And you are all a part of that. 
And the good news is because we're all looking for a place to belong, and we're all looking for a purpose. I would imagine that at, at one point or another, many of you have looked around this church. You walk in to a worship service, and you kind of look around, and maybe you've wondered, do I fit here? But maybe not physically. Sometimes I know on Sunday it's hard to find a place to, to sit, and some of you are in the lobby, and some of you are upstairs, and physically that may be difficult. And just a side note here, if you're normally a Sunday worshiper and you could come on Saturday, we would love to have you come on Saturday. Just, you can spread out, you can put your feet up. I mean, we wait on you. I'm just kidding. But I would highly encourage you, maybe one of the most missional things that you could do as a part of our church right now is worship on Saturday. Capiche? All right, that would be awesome. That would be wonderful. We love it that you're here, and we will always make room. We would love to have you come on Saturday as well. So maybe that, do I fit here physically, but you've wondered, do I fit here? Is there a place for me? And when I say, do I belong, underneath that question is, will I be accepted at a church of all places for who I am and not who I should be? In fact, I was talking to a gentleman this past week. Uh, we had our last uh, guys' night of the year this past Thursday night, and we had this grill out planned for 6 o'clock, which happened to be when the tornado rolled through. <laughs> so one of the most manly things we could do, we grilled in the tornado, because that's what guys do. Uh, no, we, we took precautions. But I was talking to one of the guys uh, at the tables, and he said, you know, Pastor John, I've been here for about a year, and um, I'll be honest with you, I, when I came in, I was a little skeptical at first. You know, a big church like Hope, you know, am I going to, Am I going to fit in? Am I going to find my place? And he said, I've, I've had a pretty rotten experience with the church before just because some things I've had in my past, and I was a little cynical and jaded coming in. Am, am I actually going to fit in here? But then as I got to know people, like, I looked around, and everybody seemed so loving and welcoming, and, and, and it's, it sounds crazy, but it was actually weird to be a part of a church where it's like everybody wanted to be there. Like, nobody was being forced to be there, and it wasn't just out of duty or obligation or tradition. Like, everybody wanted to be here, and everybody was, like, warm and welcoming and inviting me to things, and people were, like, raising their hands and worship and clapping, and people were passionate about worship and about serving, and, and multiple people introduced themselves, and then some guys invited me to guys' night, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's all great. He said, to be honest, I was still kind of waiting for the rug to be pulled out from under me. And maybe some of you have thought that, like, what's the catch if you're, if you're new to a church and you just feel this sense of belonging around here? He's like, what's the catch? And he said, Pastor John, I, I can't find the catch. And I, says, I said, I don't think that there is. And he goes, I don't think there is either. And that's a really, really good thing. And I said, why? Because, well, because we just try to be real. Not perfect, but neither were those that Jesus called to follow him either. In fact, one of the best examples that I've seen around our community of living out this kingdom type of community of belonging is actually with our students, is with our student ministry. Today is confirmation weekend at all of our campuses at Hope, and actually the 11 o'clock service, we're going to be confirming uh, some of our 8th grade students who have been in our Power Life program this year. But what you're going to see uh, and, and what's going to take place this weekend is just the tip of the iceberg of what's been happening all year. And as I look at this community of students, I think they're demonstrating what the movie is all about, what Jesus' heart for all of us is, as he calls us to be his followers, a place to belong, a shining example of the kingdom. 
And so I'm going to invite uh, Ryan, our student ministry coordinator, to join me. And as he's coming up, I want to show you a quick recap video that our student team made of the year that it's been for Power Life, our 6th, 7th, and 8th grade students. Let's take a look. I started to attend Power Life, and I was learning more and more about God. At the age of 13, I told myself I'd pray every morning and night, read the Bible, and go to church every weekend. That didn't happen. I turned 14, grew up, and realized God was calling me to follow him. So I answered his call. So I deleted all my social media. I started a Bible reading plan that I read every day. Ever since I've deleted my social media, I've prayed, I've read the Bible, and I've gone to church. And that was the plan God had for me. It was the newly found faith in Jesus that brought me to Hope Des Moines. Small group also has been a place where I feel that I can open up and talk about things that are going well and challenging me in my life. I am wanting to continue my relationship with Jesus by attending church, volunteering for Vacation Bible School, and, coming, and becoming active in Ignition. I am truly blessed to have found my faith in God and know that I have strong support system to help me continue along this journey. Power Life helped me understand church and God more, as well as making it really fun and interesting to learn about. When I first went to Power Life, I was skeptical and nervous because I'm an introvert. But when everyone was so nice, it made me feel really comfortable. Power Life has also helped me realize that God is always there for me and I have nothing to worry, really worry about. I used to always bottle up my problems and think no one was really there for me. But now I understand that God is always watching over me and helping me, even in my lowest points. Now, instead of pushing away my problems and them getting worse and me getting stressed, I face them and pray about them. I also now bring friends with me to Power Life so they can experience faith and the greatness of it all with me. Power Life has helped me grow in faith, and I couldn't be more thankful. I'm also very thankful for our youth group leaders, Sandy and Tabitha. They've helped me open up more, and they've made me feel very loved. God praise for the awesome year in Power Life. Wanted to welcome, welcome up Ryan uh, today. Ryan, a couple things, well, three things I noticed about that video. Number one, you always have your mouth open. You're always smiling. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, there's an extra uh. ounce of the Holy Spirit energy that is poured out on youth leaders, I think, at all churches everywhere. <laughs> uh, secondly, these kids uh, had a ton of fun yes. this year. And finally, number three, they love church. They yes. love church being here, which is not normal for 14 and 15-year-olds. Like, they Absolutely. love being at church. That's yeah. awesome. It Praise really God is. for that. That yeah. is really, really cool. It's been really, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can clap for that. Yeah. Um, you know, going into our year in the semester in 2017, it was really our first official, like, big year of having junior high and senior high meet together. And so these kids were, like, uncertain what does this mean? Like, <laughs> what is going on here? Right. What are you inviting me to? And yeah. so it was really fun to see at the beginning of the semester last fall, these students come in with, like, uncertainty and a little skepticism, kind of like what we were talking about right. before, is like, what's the catch? What are you really trying to pull at me? Mm -hmm. What do I have to do for, like, to be here? Right. It's just an open door. It's for anybody right. and everybody and any student and any kid who wants to feel something more, to belong. Right. And looking at that video, I, you were crying. I wasn't crying. That was, <laughs> yeah. But I, I can't tell you. There's too many stories to sum up today. But I think of a couple. One of our guy students, um, 
his dad's really not in his life because his dad really isn't proud of who he is. He's, he hasn't shaped up to be exactly what his dad demanded of him to be. And yet he can come here on Wednesday nights and know he's loved just as he is, loved for who he is, and he doesn't have to be somebody he's not. And we get to be alongside a lot of students who don't have the parents in their lives and those students who do have their parents in their lives and those students who are in certain parts of towns and those students who aren't. And they're all welcomed here. And they all belong and they are all loved because they're loved by God and they were created by him. And I don't don't know how much better they could get than that. Right. Right. So they all belong. We've been talking about a a place. Yeah, (laughs) praise God for that. That's awesome. So much, uh, so much happens on Wednesday night that we don't always see it, and this, this power of belonging and the power yes. of having a, a purpose is there uh, so much. So there's a lot of people out here, Ryan, that haven't been to a Wednesday night. They uh, don't have students that are in that range. Yeah. They're not in that season of life. They're, they have young kids, maybe not there yet, or their kids are out of the house. Um, there may be some people here today asking, like, oh, hey, that's great for, you know, Ryan, he's got all this energy and the students, but why does it matter? What, is it, what does it look like to be a church that loves students? One of the things that we say at all of our campuses, and for this next decade, one of our goals as a church is we say this phrase, we are, we are unapologetically competing for the hearts of students. Yes. We are unapologetically competing for the hearts of students. Why does student ministry matter for all of us? Yes. As a church. There's a couple things. One, we're unapologetic about reaching students because mm-hmm. everywhere else is unapologetic about filtering in things to the hearts of our students. And we want to be the first ones there. We want to be right. the people who are filtering in, hey, you are loved. Hey, you don't have to be this. Hey, you don't have to do that. You can be who you are. And that's good yeah. enough because God loves you for who you are. The right. other thing, every single person in this room was a child at one point. Mm-hmm. You were a teenager at one point. You desire to belong. You desire to be loved. You desire to fit in. You desire to be a part of something more. And whether you have that in your life or not, we all needed that. And we all still need that. I remember when I was in junior high, maybe some of you had the same feeling. Well, I guess it's that time. I guess I should go to church. (laughs) Or I guess I should go to this activity. But I can't tell you enough. It was those moments when someone decided to be present and love me well. That's what transformed my life and reminded me that Jesus was alive and real. And that's what you get to do, too. And that's why students matter. And that's why they should matter to you. Because the same love you need, the same love you desired when you walked in this room, they need it just as much. They need it just as much. And that's what you can be a part of. Absolutely. We've said it time and time again. These students are not the future of the church. They are the church right now right and that's now. why they're a focus for us as as a community and we're taking the time to do that and i just want to say this why ryan's up here so much of what ryan and his team uh student ministry team do is is unseen because a lot of you aren't here on wednesday nights sticking goldfish and <laughs> peanut butter to your face but <laughs> yeah. uh, so many of you aren't here and you haven't seen what's been going on but ryan on behalf of all of us as a church i want to thank you for your love and your passion and the way that you are investing in the future generation uh, generations and for your team, you have done an incredible job this year, and we are so thankful for everything that you have done. So, praise God, Lord. Good job. Thank you. As Ryan said, there are uh, stories and stories and stories that we could continue to tell you 
of what's taken place this year. I was thinking about this verse that a lot of you have heard about when you think about the next generation, and it's, it's Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And I walked away from faith statement night. The, the, the audio that you heard in that video was our eighth graders sharing their faith, like publicly sharing their faith. How many of you would be able to stand up in front of the church? And like, this is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. At all of our campuses, six campuses, a couple of our local sites, over 500 eighth graders are professing their faith today. Let's give God praise for that. That is so cool. Um, there's two parts to that verse in 1 Timothy. There's, there's Paul saying to those of you that are younger here today, and that's a relative term, Timothy was probably in his 30s. So those of you that are younger, Paul is saying to you, don't let your season of life, don't let your age dictate your pursuit and passion for God. Well, I'm young, I'll get around to it someday. Well, I've been there with my kids, so now I can just sort of coast because I'm an empty nester. No, 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 no. Don't let anybody look down on you. Don't use your season of life as an excuse. But secondly, and this is the one that we often forget about, Paul is saying, as a church, as adults, don't just look down on students. Actually lift them up, and we can learn from them. In terms of our theme here today, I walked away from Wednesday night and watching that video going, they found a place to belong. They found a purpose to live for. They're serving on a regular basis. They're building community. They're praying for each other. They're constantly inviting their friends. Our numbers for Power Life continue to go up throughout the year because kids would just invite their friends. Whether they've been here or not, they just keep inviting. And so I'm walking away from that going, dang, that's challenging to me. Am I doing that? Are we doing that as a church? Like looking at them as an example and saying, wow, I, I think we could grow in that as a church. Am I inviting? Am I serving? Have I, have I found a place to plug in here? Am I just kind of going through the motions in my life of church? Good news. The offer of the kingdom is both a belonging and purpose. And in, 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 uh, in the, as the gospels go on and the story goes on, Jesus starts to do exactly that. We go from Luke 4 to Matthew 4. I just want to outline this for you really quick. It's, Jesus does the same thing that P.T. Barnum does in the film. He starts to gather a team of misfits to join him. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 4, and that's where we're going to land today. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. Jesus is now moving on with his ministry, and it says, as he was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And then let's read this together, verses 19 and 20. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. By, don't, don't miss it. By Jesus calling fishermen and later tax collectors and outcasts and thieves and adulterers to surround him to be his followers, he is saying loud and clear, this is what the kingdom is like. Don't miss this, Jesus says. I love you just as you are today, but I refuse to leave you that way. And people think like, oh, belonging. That just means we can believe whatever we want and be accepted for whatever we think. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. God is constantly rubbing up against us, refining us, challenging us to make us more like Jesus. If you read your Bible and you're not challenged or convicted once in a while, you might need to dig a little bit deeper because then you've invented God in your image versus us being in God's image, right? God is constantly going to be challenging you. What does that look like in a visual sense? Some of you that have been in our core class may have seen this before, but really quick, this is what Jesus does. 
This is what P.T. Barnum does in the movie. They create a culture of high challenge, or excuse me, high invitation. Everybody say invitation. And high challenge. You'll see it up there on the screen. Whoops, we can put the, go ahead and go to the next slide. We can put the quadrants up there. You see that of high invitation and high challenge. Jesus does two things in Matthew chapter 4. He says this, come follow me, belonging. Come, come, come live life with me. You, you have full access to my life. I love you, and I accept you just as you are. High invitation. But Jesus says something else. He says, and I will make you fishers of men. I, I'm giving you a high challenge. We're not just going to sit around and not do anything. And at the collision of belonging and purpose, of invitation and challenge, at the collision of those two things is transformed lives. That's what Jesus is after in your life. Some of you just want the belonging. Do you just want Christianity to be safe and comfortable? Some of you just want the challenge. You just want to get busy for Jesus. And that's the thing, is that not all of us are living in that quadrant. Not all of us are experiencing the transformation that we want. But Jesus says, no, 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 time out. I accept you just as you are as fishermen, but I refuse to leave you that way. You're not just fishermen. We're going to go change the world. We're going to fish for people. And P.T. Barnum says the same thing. I love you and I accept you just as you are, but you're not just freaks and misfits. You have gifts. You have talents that can be used on my team. So there's high challenge. But we know if there's high invitation, well, there's low invitation, not a lot of belonging. If there's high challenge, then there's low challenge as well. If you're in a high invitation, a high belonging challenge, uh, uh, quadrant as a Christian, this is what I would just call a cozy and comfortable form of Christianity. I don't really want Jesus to challenge me with anything. I just kind of want to do my own thing. I just want to be accepted for who I am and not have to change anything, right? Jesus was constantly challenging the disciples, refining their worldviews, challenging their opinions. Are you living that sort of transformed life as a follower of Jesus? The reality is if there's no challenge and there's, there's no invitation, there's no sense of belonging, but there's no sense of purpose or mission in your life, that's just boring, you're just going through the motions. Worst case, dead. <laughs> Some of you are, are, are there, not physically, but spiritually. Your life is just sort of plateaued. There's no passion anymore. I just come to church and go through the motions. Jesus has so much more for you. But then last but not least, if there's no sense of belonging, if you're not plugged in anywhere, and you're just going, 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 you can assume that the point of Christianity is just to be busy. And eventually, you get burned out. Some of you have done that. You think that the point is that God wants us to do more, and you forget that it's actually out of a sense of belonging and out of a sense of community that we find our purpose and our challenge. What quadrant are you living in today? Jesus offers you high invitation, a sense of belonging, and high challenge, a sense of purpose. What quadrant are you living in today? And that's why both pieces are so important. Jesus offers us belonging because you're never going to find it anywhere else. Until you've accepted the acceptance of the God of the universe, you're going to look for belonging everywhere else. And until you've experienced a purpose that's bigger than you, you're going to try to find it everywhere else. You're going you're to try to find it in making money or having a happy life or a happy family. You're never going to be satisfied. It's never going to be enough because it's still about you. It's still about you. You're only going to find that in following Jesus and in plugging into his body, which is the local church, which is why we say over and over again, find a group, find a life group, find a team. 
Not because we're trying to boost our numbers because it's a church program. It's how you were created. To push against your need for belonging and a sense of purpose, you are going to coast through Christianity and you're going to miss the point. Maybe today's the day to stop just, oh, oh, that's a cute connection card. Look at it. <laughs> Pray about it. Ask yourself, am I experiencing the transformed life that Jesus offers us? Am I just coming to church or am I being the church? Jesus says, I want you to experience that kind of life. And so today I actually want to end where we started. You heard the band do this song, This Is Me, and I want to end with a slightly different version of the song, This Is Me. I was looking through clips for the movie. This one's not in the movie. This one is rare footage of kind of raw behind-the-scenes footage of when this movie was getting greenlit. It took seven years for The Greatest Showman to make uh, the theaters, to, to be in production and to get it greenlit, which means they have these sessions where they do the songs from the film, and the, the stars of the movie are sitting there, and you've got the executive producers and the directors all sitting there, and then it's the cast, these singers that are trying to be good enough, that are trying to make their case that this, this song should be in the movie. And so in this behind-the-scenes footage, uh, the, the singer that sings the song from uh, the movie, no makeup on, regular clothes, I don't know if she knew this was being filmed or not. But watch what happens. And Hugh Jackman's sitting there. So this is like the Hollywood stars are sitting there. Watch what happens as they sing this song about being real, about finding belonging. Watch what happens when people sing, and dare I say worship, with a sense of passion. This is their one chance to get this movie greenlit. Watch what happens. Let's take a look. Yeah. I still think our team did it better. I'm just going to say that for the record. Just for the record. It was awesome. Um, I show you that because here's the thing. I think that's a glimpse of what worship should be like. I don't say that because of anything that's on the outside, and some of you maybe don't feel comfortable expressing yourselves outwardly like that in worship. Here's what I mean by that. There's not a person in that studio as they were doing that song that cared one lick about what anybody else next to them was thinking because they were singing from their deep in their gut, in their soul. And I think that's what worship should be like. That's what life as a follower of Jesus should be like. Wild and unfettered and free and passionate. Amen? This gal that's singing it, I read some about her story. Like, she's not acting. That was real. She has been criticized for her weight her entire life. She was an outcast. Her role in the movie wasn't, it wasn't a role, it was her. And so when she's singing that song, she's saying, this is me. I've been labeled a misfit, an outsider, a failure, fat, ugly, whatever it is, whatever label's been put on you today. Jesus says to you today, you are so much more than that. And here's the thing. It's not, this is me, put on a happy, positive face. Here's the truth for you today. Because of who God is, you can stand up and say today, this is me, this is me. I am loved, I am valued, I am accepted, I have a place to belong in God's church, and I have a purpose that's bigger than me, that satisfies my soul. Not because of me, but because of him, amen? 
That's who you are. This is me because of who God is. Amen? Let's stand and prepare our hearts for a communion.